and so I hope you'll shake hands with as many people as you can virtually or whatever you want to call that. All right. All right, let's stand and sing it again. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the close by. We'll come back and sing again. That's the book for me. month or so in our studies in Sunday school and RU and, and just personal studies it's just uh, it's been resounding of, of knowing the Lord for revival for victory uh, do you know the Lord have you a heart that's weary tending a load of care are you a soul that's seeking 
sing, rest from the burden you bear. Do you know, my Jesus? Do you know, my friend? Have you heard he loves you and that he will abide till the end? Where is your heart, O pilgrim? What does your light reveal? Who hears your call for comfort when naught but sorrow you feel? Do you know, my Jesus? Do you know, my friend? Have you heard he loves you and that he will abide till the end? Who, who knows your disappointments? Who hears each time you cry? Who understands your heartaches? Who dries the tears from your eyes? Do you know, my Jesus? Do you know, my friend? Have you heard he loves you and that he will abide till the end? Amen. 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 Open your Bibles to the book of Psalms tonight, if you would. We're talking about the pattern of good works uh, over in Titus, where we got the text from, uh, verse chapter 2, verse 7. But he wants us to be honest individuals. He wants us to be humble individuals. And then he wants us to be holy individuals. And I want to continue the thought about the holiness of God tonight. I think sometimes we forget that the Lord has no hands but our hands. He has no feet, but our feet. He has no body upon this earth, but us. Now he could have done it some other way, but in his divine wisdom, he chose that men and women and boys and girls would be the extension of the hand of God. And if anybody gets to heaven, they're going to get there by somebody that witnessed to them with a mouth. Now, he could have sent the angels down from heaven and plastered all across the heavens. He didn't choose that method. He said, I want you to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And he said, I want every man, woman, boy, and girl that is on this planet to be saved. Now, I know all of them will not be saved, without a doubt, but he loves them all the way to the mouth of hell, and I'm grateful that he does. But he wants us to live right. He wants us to live the right kind of life. How many of you sometime in your Christian life in recent days, maybe recent weeks or recent months, or you don't have to raise your hand, have just been ashamed of your Christian life? You ever got down to talk to the Lord and you felt so ashamed? And yet beyond that shame that we may have, God just loves us. And there's nobody in this room who is immune to failing. 
But all of us ought to be climbing with the grace of God, with his help, day after day after day after day to reach the goal that I'll talk about in just a moment. In the book of Psalms, if you open your Bible to 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. Now look right up here. How many verses does it have? 176. 170. How many has it got? Very good class. It's divided into eight sections, which is the Hebrew language from Alpha to Omega, which has 22 letters and the entirety. And they tell me, if you open it up to Psalm 119, in most Bibles, it's right in the middle. Right in the middle of your Bible. You pretty well look at it and see. That's a good place for it to be, isn't it? This is the Word of God, and all of Psalm 119 is about the Word of God. And there's eight different words that are used to describe the Word, including the word Word, but you'll see those several of them in the context that we'll read tonight. We're going to go down to Beth, which is the second letter in the alphabet, starting with verse 9, go down through verse 16, and perhaps we could gain a truth or two that would be a help to us before we go to the house tonight. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God, please, if you can, in reference to the old blessed book. Wherewithal, or how, shall a young man cleanse his way? There's a question. And then it says, by taking heed thereto, according to thy what? With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy what? Thy what? Have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee? Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy what? And with my lips have I declared all thy what? Of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy and have respect unto thy. I will delight myself in thy and I will not forget. Isn't that amazing? Just in those 16 verses. Over and over again, he's emphasizing the importance of this book. And I'm going to say honestly tonight, and I'm saying we, I don't think we understand what we got. I don't think we, I don't think we're touching the hem of the garment of what we have in our hands today. And God has given us a holy Bible. It's what mine says. And oh, here it says holy Bible and KJV, but it's a holy Bible. Tells us where we come from, tells us who we are, tells us where we're going. And most of the Bible in the New Testament tells us how to live. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, give the description of the life and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ from four eyewitness views. You get over to the epistles, Paul begins to explain how Christians are supposed to live. And most of the New Testament, and how many books are in the New Testament? How many books are in the New Testament? How many books in the New Testament? How many in the New Testament? 27. So that means there's how many in the Old Testament? 39. Same age Jack Benny was for years, if you know who Jack Benny is. How many knows who Jack Benny was? Half the congregation. I have no clue who Jack Benny was. But he always said he was 39 years old. 39 and 27 make 66. Someone has referred to the Bible as Route 66. And take you where you need to go if you just follow the path that God's laid out. Father, help us to be a blessing tonight. Nothing greater in all the world than open up the old book. I pray, God, that you will speak to us tonight on the subject of being cleansed by the power of the Word of God. 
And Father, may you be glorified. We love you and need you in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated. Praise the Lord for the Vervos family with us this past weekend. Had a good time and great messages and praise the Lord for them. Praise the Lord for the blood. Had two folk come by today and uh, just said, want to come by and say hi and give us money. And uh, that was always a blessing. I said hi and reached this way. Hi. And they said, we want to bring you some money for the church. And praise the Lord for that. And I'm grateful that God's always mindful of us and watches over us. To be victorious, you have to have a desire to be pure. Now listen very carefully. I want you to hang on every word I say. Because the introduction may be longer than the sermon, uh, but I want you to get the introduction. If you're going to be victorious in your Christian life, which means to be Christ-like, and to overcome sin in your life, and I overcome sin in my life, I've got to have a desire to be pure. God is holy. And I read to you last week in Peter, he said, Be ye therefore holy as I am holy. Now that's a pretty big assignment to say. He says, Be ye therefore perfect as I am perfect. Now you say, Preacher, it's impossible. Well, how far up the road are you from what you used to be? How many of you got some victories in your life, if we can say it this way, you got some victories under your belt, some things you used to have battle with, you don't have a battle with it much anymore. Now, there'll always be something you battle. Everybody in this room's got a besetting sin. I don't know what yours is, you don't know what mine is, but most people have a besetting sin, or they have a weight that weights them down in the race of life. And God wants us to get out of those and go on to victory. There's stages that people go through. For instance, follow this thinking. A child delights in what he has. I'm talking about a little child. They delight in what they have. Whether it's a baby doll or whether it's a, a cat pistol or something a child has, they get delight out of that toy or out of that thing or out of that kitten or out of that little puppy, something. And they're always looking at something they can have. When you get to be a young person, you delight in what you can do. I mean, all the thrills and the things of life that you can do. Uh, you can start driving when you're a young person. How many of you have already got your learner's permit and you've not got your driver's license yet? Would you raise your hand? Julie, okay. Keith, I understand that one. <laughs> Let's keep, your, keep an eye on her. Anybody else that's got the hand of God? Bless us. We do two prayers there. Uh, but uh, young people, they delight in what they can do. The, the young guys like to go hunting and, you know, they the big thrill, go fishing and, they can't wait to get their license to drive an automobile. And, and then men, young men do a great job driving. And women usually are accident looks for a place to happen. And that's what I am. And I'm not a woman, but I fit that category and never could understand. I think insurance used to be higher on young men than it was young girls. Is that still true? I'm not sure how that is. I guess they trust the lady folk a little more. We can't, then we can't wait to get our education. Can't wait to get our school. Can't wait for this. The things they do. But as you begin to mature in life, you come down to the fact of what you are. What are you? What are you? Who are you? And I thought about it today, and I just jotted this down. What is he? See, if a child delights in what he has, and a young person delights in what he does, a mature person is going to delight what he is. There's an identity that you want to reach in life, not a, from a prideful standpoint, but you want to accomplish something before you leave this world, do you not? Who am I? I just jotted down one thought. I am a child of the living God. Now, I may have heard that when I was a kid, and I'm sure I did. I didn't enjoy it. I've enjoyed it more as I got older. 
Now, whether you understand this or not, I think we all do, we are in the process of maturing. And physically and in every way, we're maturing. Things that we used to be concerned about, they don't bother us as much as they used to. And things that sometimes we thought were really important. I've been to Disney twice in my life in, in Florida. I've been to the Disneyland out in California once. I've been to Knott's Berry Farm once. I've been to Six Flags Over Georgia once. I've had my thrills on those particular mountains, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I rode white lightning one time at Carowinds. I thought if somebody, if, if you go and some young person dares you, you're going to do it or die because that's the way you are. You want to prove you still have it. Uh, I rode Space Mountain down in Florida to they count down, and Nancy was with me, and she was sitting behind me, and Roger, my brother, and his wife was in the other cart, and Marcia was behind Roger, and he went up that coaster. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. Anxiety is building. Five, four, three, two, one, and they dropped you out in outer space. Roger got squeezed to death by Marcia. He said, Marcia, turn me loose. You're killing me. You're choking me to death. Turn me loose. We found out later she was expecting a baby. Uh, Scott was on the way. and uh, So anyhow, Scott was probably had a hallelujah time there. He said, get off of this thing. Get off of this thing. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with the thrills. Nothing wrong with excitement. Young people like excitement, do they not? And they like to be around excitable people. They don't like to be around people just boring. And uh, I don't want to be boring. I, I think you ought to enjoy life. I don't think you have to be frivolous. As we get older, we mature more and more, and we settle down to some ways that God intended for us to be. But I do. every individual needs to know they have a goal in life. I need to be somebody I think is important in every phase of life. If we can learn it earlier, fine. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Matthew 5, 8. So what am I supposed to be? And the whole Beatitudes is given to us in Matthew chapter 5. And so I am supposed to be more and more like God as I live my life. I started when I was a child. Many of you did. Some of us have been in the way a long time. Now, when I say in the way, that doesn't mean you need to get out of the way. I mean, you're in the way. Blessed is the man that walketh in this way. And we ought to be in the way. And as a matter of fact, you'll see here in chapter 119, verse 9, the Bible says, how can a young man cleanse his way? So he's already done something. He's already in a way. He's, he's journeying through life. He's in a way, and something's not right with it. Don't take very long for people to start sinning in life. A baby is born. A few days, uh, they begin to uh, reveal the sinful nature. They begin to lie and cry and sigh and mind and moan and moan and groan and all the things that we're doing as we get on the other end of life, and it just sort of repeats itself. But the fact is, you live your life, and there's sometimes you are developing a way and if you're not careful, you'll have the wrong kind of way after you're a Christian. And it's like a wheel in the ground that is rolling over and over again, making a rut upon your brain. And upon your brain, there comes a rut that you're in. How can a young man cleanse his ways? How can he do that? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, be holy unto God? And we should all long to be perfectly whole. We should all long to be just like God. You get down to verse 10, I'll come back to it in just a moment. He said, with my whole heart, 
You're not only to be holy, H-O-L-Y, but you're supposed to be W-H-O-L-L-Y. That means completely. I am to be holy like God, and, and, and sometimes it's convicting. When preachers preach, people teach, well, you read the blessed word of God, and you know the Holy Ghost of God is speaking to you in an area of your life. Everybody in this room is basically the same. Now, we're all going to be tempted by the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's it. One of those three areas, or all three usually, are going to be temptations you're going to face in life. But there's some things you battle more than others. I can testify tonight some things don't bother me a bit. I've never had, never had a temptation to do some things that are wrong. But I've had my share of temptations enough to know there's been some times I wanted to blush in my face. I mean, I mean, there's been times in your life that you look back at your Christian life and you say, how did I ever do that? Or how did I ever think that? My soul, God, what have I done? How am I going to get rid of this? And there comes the question that even a young man needs to ask, but so should we. In this world, and especially America, we're more acquainted with, but it's worse in other places, and I think most of us realize this, there has been a sewer pipe that's broken in America. And it's been piped in now to our very hands or our very monitors. They care not whether it's a computer, an iPad, or an iPod, or an iPhone, or I got an Android, Android I, got a, I got a phone, whatever it is. Short of the Android, I guess. Everybody's got a phone. Don't take much to find things that you ought not to see. There's music that pops up that you ought not to hear. And you'd be surprised what little children know about a computer can blow your mind. And they learn how to play the system. They know how to play you. They know how to act like everything's all right. And sometimes you're trying to monitor things and you've got to be careful about a lot of things that we have today. And we're all facing a debauchery that has crept into society. What used to be behind closed doors or hidden is right in your face today. And our generation of young people need help. That's right. They need help. And all of us who are older and have been in the Christian life a while longer ought to be some mentors to help them to face the battles of life. Because we were there at one time. We were tempted in some areas, and we're still tempted in areas, but I'm talking about the sins of the youth. Flee those youthful lusts. And boy, they can conquer you and ruin you and make a mark on your life that will dog you all the way to the end of your life. Isn't it good to have victory in your life and go from victory into victory? I'm glad all of our sins are under the blood and we get saved and God covers that. We're not talking about justification. We're talking about sanctification. Even though in the mind of God, he sanctifies us. The word sanctified means set apart or to be holy. All the way through the Old Testament, you find holy, holy, holy. And the whole book of Leviticus, you could put one word, holiness, in that book. It describes it right to the T. You can go all the way through the tabernacle and you get one word that comes to the forefront, holiness. And remember in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah said, I saw the Lord in the year the king Uzziah died. And he was high and lifted up. And I've been reading more about that. I may preach a series out of that one passage, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. And when the cry went up from the seraphims, they cried, Holy, holy, holy. Why did they choose that word? And I said last week, why didn't they choose the word? Love, love, love. They didn't. And never in the scripture is anything quoted three times or mentioned three times that you could identify with. Usually twice, they'll say something like Martha, Martha, Simon, Simon. 
or he may repeat a word twice, but when they say three times, holy, 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 God's trying to get our attention. It got Isaiah's attention. It got him so attentive that he began to cry, began to weep in the presence of God. And then he finally heard the commission of God and he said, Lord, who are you going to send? And God said, uh, gave a commission to Isaiah and he said, here am I, send me. And Isaiah is a silver-tongued prophet. If you want the greatest prophet as it relates to ability to, to give scriptures, it's Isaiah. There's 66 books, chapters in the book of Isaiah. Sort of corresponds with the Word of God having 66 books. And when you read Isaiah 66, he's been referred to as the silver-tongued prophet and what a majestic way he has of presenting things. And all that comes back down this holy, holy, holy. And we've got to come to realize that we're being bombarded on a day-by-day -day basis. I say all of us are, but especially how can a young man cleanse his way? How can he overcome? I mean, it's tough. And may I just go ahead and say it? I probably got it in my notes several times. It is a battle to keep your mind pure in this generation. Now, if you've got your head in the sand and you say, Preacher, I don't have any clue what you're talking about, then you may be half dead. You may not realize what's being bombarded at this society that is captivating the lives of little boys and girls when they're real small to indoctrinate them into a lifestyle that is not pleasing unto the Lord. And so we as adults and Christian believers need to say, Well, Lord, you left me here for a purpose. I'm not trying to do it through pride, but help me to be an example to somebody that they can see Christ in me, the hope of glory. And may, Lord, I not do anything that would bring reproach upon the cause of Christ. May you help me, Lord, that I'll be an influence on those who see me when I don't realize they see me. Help me to realize that I can be an influence on those who are around me when I don't know they're around me. And may I realize that every eye, because it doesn't matter what the boys and girls sees primarily, it does matter what God sees, and he sees everything, but it does matter to the degree that he wants us to be right with him and confess our sins very quickly, keep them under the blood of Christ, keep moving onward and upward, and by the good grace of God, say, as the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, that's a tremendous thought. And again, it's convicting. Could I say that tonight? Can you say that? I want you to come follow me as I follow Christ tonight. Paul was not perfect. He's not talking about perfection. He's talking about sanctification. And when a person gets a hold of sanctification, the great doctrine of sanctification in the Bible, and he says, I will sanctify them by my word. And the word of God has a way of separating and isolating us. We don't have to get isolated so much as it is insulated. You can't be apart from this world. I am in this world, but I am not of this world. Does that make sense? I'm going through on a boat, the illustration was. I'm in a boat that's in the water, which is the world. And I'm in this boat, and I'm insulated from the water being in the boat. But when the water gets in the boat, it's going to be a problem after a while. If that water keeps coming in, it could sink the boat, or it could cause you to get all soggy and wet, because the water's not supposed to be in the boat, uh, the boat's supposed to be in the water, and you're traveling through this world, and we need insulation, not isolation. And I mean by that this, I need to be around sinners. You know, I, I, that's not necessarily the, the ones you're going to be the closest to because they don't see things the same way you do spiritually. But the Bible teaches that the Lord loves sinners, and he even ate with them and spent time with them 
and went after it. He'd come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so all around him, there were people who needed Christ. Remember how many times he wept with compassion when he looked over the city and saw the people? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you like a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. And he wept over Jerusalem. How many times we see the commission in Mark, I think it is, or Matthew chapter 9, when beholding the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Compassion means suffer with. Empathy means that you suffer tremendously. But compassion is that he began to see people that were hungry and needed something physically. But also, I think beyond that, he saw something spiritually that was very prevalent in their life. So you've got to have mental purity before you can have moral purity. So as a man thinketh in his heart, what is it? So is he. Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And uh, as one preacher used to call it, uh, you've got to get rid of the stinking thinking. The stinking thinking, stinking thinking can ruin your life. And this is a day-by-day battle. It's a day-by-day process. It's a day-by-day that God wants to help us to live victoriously. What we see affects us. What we see affects us. What we hear affects us. Somebody says, preacher, I can see things. And I've had a discussion for a long time. Uh, with a man in town that I know very well. We're friends, uh, but uh, we've been friends for years. Uh, but he says, I can listen to rock music. It don't bother me a bit, preacher. I mean, I'm not going to go out and kill somebody because I listen to a rock music song. And we debate it back and forth about the lyrics of songs. I tell you, you telling me that you want your kids to hear those lyrics? And if you take most rapping songs, black or white, they're not, they're not fit for human consumption. They're pitiful. They're terrible. And when you start listening to the music of our generation that's being idolized and programmed across the, everywhere, including the Super Bowl, as a matter of fact, sponsors who sponsor ads pay $1 million for one minute. Now, you can't tell me what they see don't bother them or don't affect them. And whatever they're advertising, if they're advertising something even food-wise, I mean, for one minute, they'll spend a $1 million on a Super Bowl because of the millions of people that are watching that. Now, if they'll spend a million dollars from an unsaved viewpoint, they know something. Now, we Christians need to understand that we have a generation of children that probably know more, seen things that you never saw when you were that age. You've got to understand they've been around the block, whether it be the TV or the media, the newsstand, whatever it is. Well, again, what used to be under the counter is now out in front of everybody. When I was in Holland years ago, they used nude girls for streetlights. You go down a street in Holland, this particular place we was at, close to the hotel, and there you saw them every streetlight with just nude girls on the, on the lampstands. Now, that's sad because you're looking at it all the time. It bombards your mind. How do you overcome that? How do you get victory over that? How do you, how do you find yourself being a victorious Christian in a dirty, filthy, vile, vulgar world? And being honest with you, it is probably worse than it's ever been before in our generation because it's so open. And you see things that you just would to God you hadn't seen. And you got to get your mind cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And through the word and the washing of the word and the water and the blood, you go hand in hand in the Christian life. This is a pertinent question. It's one need to be asked. It's a personal question. It's a pressing question. You say, preacher, I just can't control myself. I can't control the flesh. Well, welcome to the real world. May I say emphatically, dogmatically, 
You cannot control the flesh. It is a ruler in your life that will reign unless you have somebody greater than it. And I know RU is filled with these kind of sermons and lessons and teaching and so forth about the principles they live by and the RU program, they're great, and the biblical stands you've got to have to overcome addictions in your life. Well, let's just be real honest about it. We've got to come to grips with the reality that the only thing that will solve your problems and my problems is the blessed word of the living God. And there is some power in this book. There is some power. And the Bible says it's a powerful book. And it's so strong that it can go down to the very uh, marrow of your bones. You say, preacher, how do you overcome? Well, it's not through education. I mean, you can be educated. You can have all the right answers. It, you can educate manners. You can, you can educate people how to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, thank you, sir, no, sir, and teach them how to eat without using their fingers and you had a fork and a knife and et cetera, if that's the way you're supposed to. You can learn manners. You can be educated. You can get a Ph.D. and from every institution in America and go to hell smart. It doesn't matter how much education you get. Education's all right in this place, and everybody's ought to get uh, some of it. But that's not going to solve your flesh problem or your sin problem. It ain't going to help. Somebody says, how about just changing the environment? I hear this sometimes. If we could just change some of these uh, cities and get the environment changed. I remind you, Adam and Eve was in a perfect society. They were in a perfect environment. And look what happened to them. It's nothing to the environment. I mean, we live in a world that's filled with filth and dirt, but we still live right, can live right, will do right. And if we do, we can affect people around us by the light that we're shining, that they see Christ in us, the hope of glory. It just makes a difference. Well, environment don't solve the problems. I'll tell you what we've got to do. Just got to try harder. Effort. If I can just, hey, I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to stand. I'm going to kneel. I'm going to swing from a rope. I'm going to be a monk. I'm going to go hide myself for a year in a cave and see nobody. And I'm going to get away from every temptation there is. You've heard me say this before. I sometimes want to find me an island where there's nobody there except me and a coconut tree. And I sat down under that coconut tree and say, well, nobody to bother me. Then all of a sudden, here comes a coconut down on my head, a monkey up in that tree, threw it down and hit me on the head. You can't get away from sin. You can't get away from the temptation. It's going to follow you. I got a book by Dr. Lutzer years ago, How to Say No to a Stubborn Habit. How to Say No to a Stubborn Habit. And all of us need to be reminded that Christian growth is learning how to overcome and become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's sort of like the teacher was trying to remind Johnny about a certain uh, proverb. It's not a biblical proverb. Many folks think it is. But uh, she said, now, all right, now let's review. Now you give me the answer, Johnny. Cleanliness is next to, well, he was supposed to say that, but he didn't say that. She said, well, what's the answer? And let's do it again. Cleanliness is next to, he said, impossible. <laughs> impossible. Well, that's what you've got to feel in your life. It's impossible to live the Christian life. And how many times have I been reminded of that? And how many times have I been shared, somebody that's shared that with me? And how many times have I shared that with other folks when they say something like this? I just can't live that Christian life. Oh, I've tried it. I just can't do it. I tried and tried and tried and tried. And I know there's got to be discipline, but you've got somebody on your side to help you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And listen, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We live by promises, Amen. not by always having an explanation. I don't see how this thing works. I, I, 
God just does it. You say, well, I just I go from defeat to defeat to defeat. Now, all of us have been there. Have you ever confessed a sin to God and got serious about it, and the next week you did the same thing over again? And you say, what is the sense of getting, why do I keep doing this? Well, don't you think somewhere along the way that God is bigger than that sin that you are battling, that I'm battling, that somewhere I ought to get some victory in my life? Or be able to look back, and I said a while ago, you come, you come this far by faith, and faith is the victory that overcometh the world, even my, our faith. So I look back and say, boy, I don't do this anymore. I quit my cussing, quit my drinking, quit my smoking, quit my dipping. I quit all this by the help of the Lord. I've done this, I've done that. And boy, it's been great. But here's some things that just, no matter how hard I try, I can't get it. And what happens to us after a while, we just give in to the flesh and say, what's the use? And God says, I'm the go. 